Well, the cross marks a spot is what we've been um, promoting, I guess, um, all week leading up to it. And, and Adam touched on it just as we started. The cross marks the spot. And uh, that, that sentence will finish in a lot of different ways for a lot of different people. Um, the cross marks the spot this morning might just mean that the family member wouldn't stop nagging you and now you've ended up at church and that's what the cross marks the spot for this morning. Or it could mark the spot of an old church, could have been on top of an old church uh, that you went to as a child. I don't know what the cross marks the spot for, for you this morning. But for a lot of us in here, it marks forgiveness and it marks a place where we put down guilt. It, t- it marks a place where we, uh, we got rid of our shame and where Jesus made a sacrifice for us. And if you're not at that point where the cross marks that spot for you yet, I pray that you would um, come to the beautiful realization of what Jesus did for you. But uh, the cross marks a spot somewhere for all of us in history Uh, where all of the old prophecies and all of the foreshadowings of Jesus Christ came to fulfillment. For thousands and thousands of years before Jesus ever walked that hill to the cross, it was foretold that he would do that. And on the cross is where those uh, prophecies were fulfilled. And sometimes to grasp the magnitude of what Jesus actually did on the cross We need to look at the thousands of years before it. And there's a story in the second book of the Bible, Exodus. And all the way back at the start of the Bible, God was even telling us, it's okay, there's going to be a savior. There's going to be someone who will reconcile you back to God. And we find this story in Exodus and it's a story called the Passover. Many people would know it, and uh, it's a a very well-known story around the world. And this morning, just for a few minutes, I want to take a look at the Passover and how it points to Jesus. Uh, This story takes place in Egypt, and we have a few main characters going on. We have the children of Israel, and uh, they're being held as captives, as slaves in Egypt, and they have been there for over 400 years in slavery. We have another um, main character called Moses. He's pretty much our hero other than God in in the story. And then we have our villain, Pharaoh, who is the king of Egypt. And Moses, being an Israelite, is commissioned by God, and God says, Moses, It's time my people have some freedom. It's time that they come out of this slavery and come and worship me. And so uh, Moses takes that message. He goes to Pharaoh and he says, "Hey, hey, Pharaoh, I've got something to tell you from God, the God of the Hebrews. And he says, "Uh, let my people go. And uh, Pharaoh, being the wise ruler he was, saw that probably wasn't very profitable for the nation. And he said, no. And... um, And Moses went back to God. He goes, "Uh, God, I did that thing you told me about the whole let my people go spiel and it didn't work. And uh, God goes, all right, we'll go back. And in Exodus, we see God says, um, God says to Moses, say this to Pharaoh. Pharaoh is a stubborn man and he refuses to release the people. 
First thing in the morning, go and meet Pharaoh as he goes down to the river. And at the shore of the Nile, take the staff that you turned into a snake. He did that earlier. And and say to him, God, the God of the Hebrews, sent me to you with this message. Release my people so that they can worship me in the wilderness. So far, you haven't listened. Do we think Pharaoh listened? No. Pharaoh didn't listen. And so the Nile is struck. Uh, Aaron, another character, struck uh, the Nile with his staff. And then the whole thing turned to blood. Complete blood. The fish were upturned. Uh, Egypt stunk. And the moment this came upon Pharaoh, the next day he's like, all right, all right. Have your freedom, Moses. Just stop. Just stop this silly business about blood in the Nile. Just, and you'll have your freedom. And the moment that it went back to normal, Pharaoh hardened his heart again and said, actually, no, no, you're not going anywhere. And so again, Moses goes back to God and said, can you see what's going on here, God? It's, It's not working. Your plan isn't working. And so God says to Moses, all right, go to Pharaoh again. And this time he says, go to Pharaoh and tell him God's message. Release my people so that they can worship me. If you refuse to release them, I'm warning you, I'll, set, I'll hit the whole country with frogs. Tough one, God. Frogs. Good. He couldn't think of anything tougher than frogs. Anyway, so Pharaoh refuses again, and then there's frogs everywhere in Egypt. Frogs everywhere. In the pots, in the pans, in the beds, in the houses. And, and Pharaoh's like, all right, enough, Moses. Get rid of the frogs and you can have your freedom. Now, some of you who know the story are thinking, is she going to do this 10 times? Is she going to tell us? No, I'm not. But this goes on and on and on. So close to freedom and then taken away. So close to nearly, no, you're staying in slavery. And this happens nine times until the last plague. Honestly, there was lice, there was boils, there was darkness, there was hail and fire coming down from heaven. Honestly, it was all happening in Egypt. All happening. Until this last plague. And Moses goes to Pharaoh and goes, Pharaoh, you have to let my people go. You have to. This plague's bad. This one that's coming now, is, it's really bad. You've got to let my people go. And Pharaoh hardens his heart and he says, oh yeah, what do you got? What do you got that Egypt hasn't taken so far? And he says, no, this one's the plague of death. This one, no one escapes. Every firstborn of every Egyptian household will die on the night that death passes over Egypt. Even the animals, the firstborn of the animal and the livestock will die. And and Pharaoh says, No, I don't care. And Moses says, all right, I warned you. Wipes his hands of it and goes back to the children of Israel. And then as Moses is going back to the children of Israel, God says, well, I've got something for you too, Moses. This plague is so bad and it's so incurable that I'm going to need to tell you some things that you're going to have to follow so that you're safe, so the children of Israel are safe. And Moses said, all right, I'm listening. He says, you need to grab every household in the Israelites. You need to take a lamb 
a male lamb that's one year old and it needs to be without spot. It needs to be without blemish. There can be nothing wrong with this lamb. There can be no point where you could say, oh, that's, uh, put it on special. No, no red hot special lamb. It needs to be your most perfect lamb. All right, God, we'll do that. And, and, and something else, I want you to take this lamb five days before the Passover, before I tell you that, I, that the Passover is going to happen. And you, and you need to set it aside from the others just to make sure that it, it, that it has no spot and no blemish so you can get a real good look at it. So when, when it's walking around at night, you can see if it has a limp. You can see if there's any disease at all in it. Five days before, you need to put it aside. All right. And then when you, then when you sacrifice it, Moses... You need to sacrifice it, sacrifice it and you need to catch the blood of the lamb in a bowl. And don't throw it out. What I, what I need you to do is I need you to get the blood of the lamb and I need you to put it on the doorposts of every house of Israel. Of Israel. And you need to put it on the lintel and, that, and that, that would be a mark to every single household. So when death passes over, they see the mark of the blood and it passes over and no one will be affected by it. All right, we can do that, God. And when you and your family eat that lamb, this is the way I want you to cook it. There's no boiling it. There's no barbecue lamb. It is all fire. You need to keep it whole and you need to burn it in the fire. Not one bone is to be broken while you're preparing this lamb or while you're eating it. Don't break a bone. Cook it in fire and no broken bones. And the last thing I want you to do, you need to make sure that you eat it in whole. This is not a half measure thing. This is you eat every single thing. If there's leftovers, it's burnt there and then. No some of this and some tomorrow. You need the whole lamb at the Passover. And so sure enough, the Israelites did exactly what God had told them to do. And when the night that death passed over Egypt, every single Israelite household was saved. But slowly but surely, the sounds of mourning were coming up from Egyptian households. Mothers finding dead sons. Fathers seeing that their children are no longer awake. Mourning, the Bible describes it as a sound you've never heard. Right up until Pharaoh's palace. And he goes, go. You can have your freedom. There had been nine different times where they had tried to get freedom. But it wasn't until the blood was over the doorpost, the blood was over their lives and over the family, did they find their freedom to worship their God. And this is such a well-known story throughout the world. Many people this week would have still celebrated Passover. It's the five days leading up to today. And if we just look at it as as one thing, we can so easily miss how it directly points to Jesus. 
All the way back at the start of the Bible, God was going, children, I love you. Look, there's there's a hope and there's a future. There's a Savior coming. Look, He just looks like a lamb, like the innocent lamb. And in, in 1 John, John 1, 9, 29, it says, look, behold, the lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And if we just see the Passover as a Passover story, we miss that Jesus, the picture of Jesus, of what he did for you and what he did for me is missed. Because if Jesus is our lamb of the world, he takes our sins. The picture we see in the Passover is what what Jesus did for you. How his blood was shed for you, so never again the curse of death would ever affect you. Did you know Jesus rode into Jerusalem five days before he was to be sacrificed? Just as the lamb was put aside, five days. In those five days in Jerusalem, Jesus was tested over and over. He was questioned, who should our loyalty be to? Who's, what currency, who should we pay our taxes to? He was, he was tested over and over. You read those few chapters of the five days Jesus spent in Jerusalem and people were questioning over and over and over and, and testing him. Did he have the right answer? Was there any fault in his heart? Was there any wrong motive? Even when Judas betrayed him, he still embraced him as a brother. There was no, there was no pushing back or unforgiveness there. He embraced him and kissed him. Even when the, the Peter cut off the ear of the soldier who came to get Jesus to kill him. He took the time to heal his ear, tested and had no fault to be found. The perfect sacrifice, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Did you know when Jesus obediently went to the cross, it was custom for the Roman soldiers to break the legs of those on the cross, to hurry up the process so they could no longer push themselves up to get a breath and to stay alive. And so the man on the left, on the right of Jesus, legs were broken. And then the man on the left, his legs were broken and they came to Jesus and they were about to break his legs and they saw he's already given up his life. And so just as the Passover lamb was to have no broken bones, neither did our Savior. When it says that the lamb was to be cooked and burnt with fire all through the Bible, that is representation of judgment. Do you know, it says that Jesus went to the judgment seat before Pilate. He went and took yours and my judgment so we didn't have to. So the lamb would take the fire and not you and I. So when Jesus said, when the lamb was to be burnt with fire, he was saying, I will take the fire. I'll take the heat for you. Never again will you ever have to sit in the seat of judgment. I'll take that place for you. Never again. So many times God was trying to show us Jesus is the lamb. Jesus is our lamb who takes away the sins of the world.
when it says it needed to be eaten in whole, so too Jesus needs to be eaten, taken in whole. See, the cross doesn't just mark the spot where Jesus died. The cross marks a spot where Jesus fulfilled law and enabled grace for you and I. And, it, and all through, the, they're living in a time where people were trying to work their way to God, rules and religion, working their way and falling short, working their way and falling short. But, but the cross doesn't just give us Jesus dying, it gives us grace and we need to take it in whole. We can't have some of the rules and some of grace. We can't have some of the law and some of Jesus. It's all law or all Jesus. It needs to be accepted in whole, whether it was enough or it wasn't enough. And we have to take that in whole. Jesus fulfilled the law so you and I don't have to strive anymore. He took it all and said, all of it. You need all of me. It's not some of you and some of me. The Israelites were so close to freedom so many times. Ah, I nearly had freedom, but no. And so you and I do that so many times. Nearly free of that. Ah, no. I, I nearly worked my way. Oh, I've disappointed again. I nearly got this. No. It wasn't until the blood was over their doorposts until they found freedom. And so you and I, if we don't, if we try and try and try ourselves, we will always fall short, but it's not until we accept all that the blood of Jesus does will we find our freedom. One last thing that corresponds here that I want to share with you. The Passover feast was kept for many, many years and still to this day, lots of people do keep it. But it was the, God said, you will keep this feast as a custom. You will remember everything that was done for you. And as they did that year in and year out, the lamb, the perfect lamb was slaughtered and it was slaughtered at 3 p.m. Every festival, it was slaughtered at 3 p.m. And, and the high priest would come out and sound a horn to say, it's done. The sacrifice is made for the year. It's done. But when Jesus was on the cross at 3 p.m., there was another sound. There was a different sound that came out that day. And if you weren't looking, you might have missed it. But at 3 p.m., the sound said, Tetelestai. says, it is finished. Not like the horn that says it's done for this year. It was the word that says it's finished forevermore. And it's not, tetelestai is not like the word, we miss something in English. We think, oh, that happened. But this actually in the perfect tense says that it was finished in the past and it's going to have an effect into the present. It keeps going. So when Jesus said it's finished that day, he meant it's finished in the past. It'll remain finished in the present and it will be surely finished into the future. 
When he said tetelestai, it was completely and utterly done. So that never again, when someone tries to bring up, this is what you've done, isn't it? Isn't, isn't this where you've been? Aren't you that person that did that? Aren't you that person who does this? What about the ways that you've rebelled against God and, and, and you've just walked against God and you've warred against him? Never again will someone hold that against you because you will be able to say, the Lamb of God was enough then, it's enough now, and it surely will be enough into eternity. And never again will you be held under the curse of sin. Never again. Jesus is our Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. What does that mean for you and me? If we accept that in whole, we too, like God was trying to show us all those thousands of years ago, death will pass us over and we will have life abundantly. The cross doesn't just mark the spot where Jesus died. It marks that we were passed over. But when the Israelites were passed over, they didn't stay in the land. They had their freedom too. And so do we. The cross marks the spot for forgiveness and freedom. In Jesus' name. Can we pray? Father, thank you for the cross. Thank you that the cross marks a spot where so many of our lives are changed. I pray for every heart who is yet to encounter the cross this morning. I pray you begin to move upon their heart. Speak to them personally, intimately. That they too would know that the cross marks a spot of forgiveness and freedom forevermore. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.